What you're about to listen to is a Pod Bros exclusive. Age of the Geek, baby. We run the world. I see you shiver with anticipation. Man, what's gotten into you? running smoothly and you nerd compendium book club nerd <laughs> compendium book club hey we're gonna talk about books and hey, most of them not on topic hey there everybody it is another episode of dave's nerd compendium and this time it is a nerd book club after long long wait we are getting back together with a nerd compendium book club this time i am flying solo because John Patrick is busy working for a con that he has coming up this upcoming weekend. So, the weekend of the eight, uh, 7th and 8th, he'll be doing a gaming con. And he is working hard and diligently at making all sorts of cool miniatures for his uh, game that he's going to be running. So, this week it's going to be me alone. I'm going to talk about three books that I read. And part of the sniffles because I'm coming over or just getting over a cold or coming down with the cold. Something like that. The first book is a book that John actually talked about a couple months ago. It's called The Brotherhood of the Wheel. I actually started reading this and it is a phenomenal book. I mean, I wouldn't. I know he said it was like Dresden Files meets Supernatural meets X-Files, but it was a phenomenal book. And I like all the different things that branches in to each other, and it just makes the book seem that much uh, better because it is just a phenomenal read. It is a quick read. There is parts about the book that... Uh, makes it very, very entertaining. It's surprising how uh, entertaining it is because you gotta think, it starts off where this guy, uh, Jimmy, is driving his rig and he's hunting down a guy in a yellow Mack truck. And... The guy has a girl kidnapped and tied up in the back of his truck. And all of a sudden, this jar rolls out where there's a piece of her body that's decaying in the jar. And you start off with that, and it's like, whoa, what the heck? And then you hear about were-possum? Seriously, a were-possum? But, I mean, the book is real good. It took me about five or six days to... Nah, I wouldn't even say that long. Maybe four or five days to finish off the book. And this is listening to it while I'm driving to it from work. And maybe once or, or once in a while while I'm working, if I'm going to be uh, by myself for any amount of time, 
where I don't have to talk with people that much, I'll pop it on and listen to it. And it was a very good book. I strongly recommend it for anybody who is looking for a uh, catch for the niche to tide you over till the next Dresden File book comes out. After that, I read a book that was written in 1996 by uh, Chuck Planachik. I know I slaughtered that name, I'm sorry. Uh, it was turned into a movie that starred Brad Pitt and Ed Norton uh, in 99. The book is called Fight Club. And this little excerpt says, Inspired by his doctor's uh, exasperated remarks that insomnia is not suffered, or is not suffering, the protagonist finds relief by uh, impersonating a seriously ill person in several support groups. Then he meets a mysterious man, Tyler Durden, and establishes a underground fighting club as radical uh, psychotherapy. Now, the thing is, you really never know the name of the main character. Uh, he remains unnamed throughout the entire book. And actually, in the entire sequel, which was turned into a comic book uh, about a year or two ago. But if you've seen the movie, you know pretty much the gist of Fight Club. An anonymous narrator who works as a product recall specialist for an unnamed car company. Uh, because of his, the stress of his job and the jet lag brought on from frequent business trip, he begins to suffer from recurring insomnia. When he seeks treatment, his doctor advises him to visit a support group victim to see what real suffering is like. He finds that sharing the problem with other, despite not having testicular cancer himself, alleviates his insomnia. The narrator's unique treatment works until he meets Marla Singer, another quote-unquote tourist who visits support groups under false pretenses. The possible disturbed Marla, or possibly disturbed Marla, reminds the narrator that he's a faker who doesn't belong there either. He begins to hate Marlo for keeping him from crying and therefore from sleeping. After a confrontation, the two argue or agree to attend separate support group meetings to avoid each other. The truth or the truce is uneasy, and the narrator's insomnia returns. While on a nude beach, the narrator meets Tyler Durden, a charismatic uh, extremist of a mystery. Tree man. After an explosion destroys an area's condominium, he asks to stay at Tyler's house. Tyler agrees, but asks for something in return. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Both men find that they enjoy the ensuing fist fight. They subsequently move in together and establish a fight club, drawing numerous men with similar temperaments into bare-knuckle fighting matches, set to the following rules. Rule 1, you don't talk about Fight Club. Rule 2, you don't talk about Fight Club. 
Rule 3, when someone stops or goes lumps, the fight is over. Rule 4, only two guys to a fight. Rule number 5, only one fight at a time. Rule number 6, they fight without shirts or shoes. Rule number 7, the fight goes on as long as they have to. Rule number 6, if it's your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. And later on in the book, when they turned the Fight Club into Project Mayhem, like a cult-like organization, they have five rules. Number one, you don't ask questions. Number two, you don't ask questions. Number three, no excuses. Number four, no lies. Number five, you have to trust Tyler. And with Project Mayhem, they're taking soap that they're making, but they're turning it also into homemade bombs. And they're planning on blowing up a skyscraper in the middle of the financial district of the city that they live in, which also remains practically unnamed. If you've seen the movie, you and you like the movie, you'll absolutely love the book. It touches on certain areas where uh, you don't really see that much feeling in between the characters. And unlike the movie, you don't really ever get to find out any more about the narrator like you do in the movie. In the movie, you actually see the name of the company that he works for in, like, some stationery on the desk. You have to look for it, but you can find it. But, honestly, I think they did a great job casting it. That narrator being Ed Norton, Tyler Durden being Brad Pitt, Marla Singer being uh, Helen Bonham Carter, uh, also known as Tim Burton's wife, Robert Big Bob Paulson being Meatloaf. I mean, you got a lot of good actors in this film. And it's something that had to happen. So, I really, really think you should check it out. And I'm looking at this uh, write-up. It looks like there was a prequel. Uh, Excursion is a short story prequel to Fight Club release in Palanchuk's Make Something Up. Stories You Can't Unread uh, anthology. So that might be something worthwhile. And Fight Club 2 was put out by Dark Horse in 2015. It looks like Brian Michael Bendis had uh, handed it. So did Matt Fraction. I guess they like helped Planetchuck uh, shape it to be a comic book because he's not known for writing a comic style. So the third book I read, and probably my most favorite out of all three books, is Slaughterhouse-Five, or another title of it is The Children's Crusade, A Duty Dance with Death. 
This book was released in 1969 and written by Kurt Vonnegut in a satirical novel setting about the World War II experiences and the journey through time with Billy Pilgrim. From his time as an American soldier and a chaplain's assistant to post-war and early years. It's a generally recognized as Vonnegut's most influential and most popular work. A central event is Pilgrim surviving the Allies' firebombing of Dresden as a prisoner of war. This was an event in Vonnegut's own life, and the novel is considered a semi-biographical novel. Now, the plot of the story is is told in a nonlinear order. The events become clear through flashbacks or time travel experiences from the unreliable narrator. He describes a story of Billy Pilgrim who believes he was held in an alien zoo and has experienced time travel. Billy Pilgrim, a chaplain's assistant in the U.S. Army during World War II, is an ill-trained, disoriented, and fatalistic American soldier who refuses to fight. Billy would do anything to save himself. He does not like war and is captured in 1944 by the Germans during the Battle of the Bulge. Billy approaches death in a weird sort of way. Before the Germans capture him, he met Ronald Weary, a patriot, warmonger, and bully just out of childhood like Billy, who derives the soldier's cowardice. When Weary is captured, the Germans confiscate everything he had, including his boots, giving him hinged wooden clogs to wear. Where he eventually dies in Luxembourg of gonorrhea because his wounds uh, formed a staffid or stiff or from the stiff clogs kind of got infected, which normally happens in wartime. When dying in a road or rail car full of prisoners, where he convinces fellow soldier. Paul Lazaro that Billy is to blame for his death. Lazaro vows to avenge Wary's death by killing Billy because revenge is the sweetest thing in life. At this moment, Billy becomes unstuck in time and has flashbacks from his former life. Billy and the other prisoners are transported by the Germans to Luxembourg. By 1945, the German trans the prisoners to Dresden to work in contract labor or forced labor. The Germans hold Billy and his fellow prisoners in an empty Dresden slaughterhouse. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it in German, but it translates to Slaughterhouse 5. During an extensive bombing by the Allies, German guards hide with the prisoners of war in the deep cellar. This results in their being among the few survivors of the firestorm that rat or raged in a say between 13 and 15 of February in 1945. After VE Day 
in May of 1945, Billy is transferred to the United States and receives an honorable discharge in July of 45. Soon, Billy is hospitalized with a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder and placed under psychiatric care. A man named Elliot Rosewater introduces Billy to the novels of an obscure science fiction author named Kilgore Trout. After his release, Billy marries Valencia Burble. Uh, Valencia's father owns the Ilium School of Optometry that Billy later attends. In 1947, they had their first child, Robert. Two years later, their daughter Barbara is born. On Barbara's wedding night, Billy is captured by an alien spaceship and taken to a planet light years from Earth called Terra Femidor. The Terra Terra Femidorians are described as seen in four dimensions simultaneously observing all points in the space-time continuum. They universally adopt the fatalistic worldview, death means nothing, but so it goes. Until uh, Transfelmador, or whatever the hell the world's called, sorry, um, not feeling too good, uh, weird words are getting confused for me, Billy is put into a transparent geodesmic dome exhibit in a zoo. The dome represents a house on Earth. These natives later abduct a movie star named Montana Wildhack, who has disappeared and was believed to have drowned herself in the Pacific Ocean. They intend to have her mate with Billy. She and Billy fall in love and have a child together. Billy is instantaneously sent back to Earth in a time warp to relive past and future moments of his life. In 1968, Billy and his co-pilot are the only survivors in a plane crash. Valencia dies of carbon monoxide poisoning while driving to visit Billy in the hospital, and Billy shares a hospital room with Bertrand Rumford, a Harvard history professor. They discuss the bombing of Dresden, which a professor claims was justified despite the great loss of or civilized life in the destruction of the city. Billy's daughter takes him home to Ilium. He escapes and flees to New York City. In Times Square, he visits an adult bookstore. Billy discovers books written by Kilgore Trout and reads them. Later in the evening, when he discusses his time traveling to uh, the alien played out on a radio talk show. He is evicted from the studio. He returns to his hotel room, falls asleep, and time travels back to 1945 in Dresden, where the book ends. Due to the non-chronological storytelling, other parts of Billy's lives are told throughout the book. After being evicted from the radio studio, Barbara treats Billy as a child and often monitors him. Robert becomes uh, starkly anti, uh, or becomes a starkly anti-communist, uh, 
in a Green Beret. Billy eventually dies in 1976 after giving a speech in a baseball stadium in which he predicted his own death and claims, if you think death is a terrible thing, then you have not understood a word I've said. Billy is soon after shot by an assassin with a laser gun, commissioned by the elderly uh, Lorazzo, or Lazario, however you want to pronounce it. This book has been banned in many uh, civilizations, or not civilizations, in many communities when it comes to education, because of the subject matter. I think this book should be read. It was burned back in the 70s and early 80s. It is still probably one of the few books that is banned in schools. I honestly don't understand it. It is a good book. It's probably one of the better Vonnegut books. This, Cat's Cradle, Mother Night. Those are the marquee Kurt Vonnegut books. And I'm including this title. Out of all three of them, I give Brotherhood of the Wheel a solid 8.5. I really hope there's more in the Brotherhood of the Wheel uh, series. For Fight Club, I give it an 8. It is a solid 8 book. When it comes to Slaughterhouse-Five, I give it a 9 to 9.5. It is a great book. It doesn't hold up that well when it comes to time period, but all in all, it is a great book, and I think everybody should read it at least once. But that's it for the Nerd Book Club for this week. Next week, I'll try to get John on, and we'll talk about a couple more books. And like I said, this entire month will be a Nerd Compendium Book Club month, uh, I'm going to try to get John in for the 11th. I'm going to try to talk with an indie author on the 18th. And I might even try to talk with another one on the 25th. Alright, time for some housekeeping. As always, you can find me on Podbros Network, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. But you can also find me on Twitter at DaveTheNerd underscore TNC. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave's Nerd Compendium. All one word, no apostrophes. You can also go to davenc.com and find everything there. Find everything on podbros.com in the Dave the Nerd section. I have a YouTube channel. Just search Dave the Nerd. And I'll do like unboxings and I might do like a movie review or something on there just to give a little bit of content. And don't forget, while you're on iTunes at Stitcher, to rate the show five stars, thumbs up, whatever they take. And if you write a review, I can read it and then focus the show to be more about what you want to hear. So, with all that being said, thank you ever so kindly. And, as always, and if you need a man, find a nerd. Overload. Pleasure overload.
What do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world.